everybody. Welcome to episode 252 of a wrestling gal podcast, providing you with the female perspective on all things wrestling. Join me, your host and wrestling enthusiast, Ella J. As today, I am joined by the violence artist, Charlie Evans. Now let's chat! Hello everybody, today I am joined by the violence artist, Charlie Evans. Charlie, how are you doing today? I'm great, how are you? I'm so excited to be chatting with you because you have a very special project coming up of yours. But before we get into that excitement of it all, I mean, you've had a truly exciting whirlwind of a past nine months traveling yes. all across the world from the States to back to the UK and now back to home in Australia. So first of all, I mean, tell us all about that process and that plane ride on your journey back to the States for JCW back last year. Yeah, it was crazy. So Australia was completely locked down. They weren't letting anyone in or out. And I had to write to my government and get an exemption to leave the country. <laughs> so uh, me and Connor had tried like multiple times to get an exemption on like, you know, it was like impacting my mental health to a degree, like not being yeah. able to be with him. And we like, we tried that route like three times and it got denied. And then all of a sudden Brett and Orange Crush were in my DMs asking like, hey, we have this idea that we, we want you to surprise him. Do you think we can make this work? And I said, I mean, look, we can try. And we got letters written up and, you know, flights and everything and sent them off to the government. And I was like, if this fails, like, there's no way. Like, I've given you everything. You cannot deny me leaving. And yeah, they accepted it. And then I left like 30 days after that. So that was crazy. I was so nervous, obviously um and then yeah the process of like meeting him and then having like two days where I was hidden in the showboat couldn't leave my hotel room um like knowing that like my friends are like probably right out probably right next door um and yeah then surprising everyone on the Saturday was crazy now how <laughs> long was that wait like waiting on the government documents and all of that because it probably takes out at least a few weeks right if not months yeah so like it all depends on who you get I guess because you know we the first time we tried it took like two weeks to come back and that whole two weeks were like oh we're so positive you know I'm writing fucking affirmations every day of it getting <laughs> yeah through. and then for it to come back denied was fucking soul crushing and then you know trying it again and then like adding more evidence to it like to try and get out because you know I've had uh I knew another girl that you know, apply for the same reason as me and she, and she got out. And so I just didn't understand why I wasn't. And then the application with um, GCW and JCW, honestly, it took like 24 hours. It was crazy. Like I applied for it, kind of forgot about it, checked my uh, emails and it was like accepted. And I was just stunned. I was yeah. sitting on my couch and I was like, and then like I ran into my roommate's room and him and his girlfriend were in there and I was screaming. They probably thought I was fucking dying or something. <laughs> and then I was like, it got fucking accepted. 
I mean, that's really exciting. You finally getting to meet Connor. Of course, we got to see a bit of it in the documentary too. How honestly hard was that to keep a secret? It was so hard. I bet. <laughs> yeah. And then I was just so nervous because I was standing on that rooftop for like mm-hmm. 30 minutes with Ali and um, people would keep coming up, but it wasn't him. So I'd keep like, my heart would like fucking come out of my mouth. And then I'd be like, oh, okay, okay. So that was, that was the scariest part. That's so exciting though. And honestly, like it feels like a fairy tale kind of like, you know, you know, you see stories. Like, I feel like you could write like a, a movie or a show about like just that story alone. Like it's absolutely you coming all the way over from Australia to the States. Of course you had a great run there. And after your time in the States, you returned back to the United Kingdom, including a reunion of my first memory of you was in Medusa complex, by the way. So we finally got that reunion with Millie McKenzie for the first time in two years. It was a dark match, but can you kind of describe that reunion and match against wrestle friends as you described that as being grateful for that match against wrestle friends. So can you tell us more about that reunion and that moment for you? Uh, I was so happy. I wish it wasn't a dark match, but she's famous. So, I mean, I get it. Uh, but it was, uh, hopefully one day they can put it out. Cause it was so good. Like it was just funny. And it was just us just having fun because like, I like I knew I was leaving at that point so yeah. and obviously really knew um I didn't tell a lot of people because I I wanted to surprise everyone over here as well so I didn't want to like you know someone accidentally fucking tweets it or yeah know. yeah Millie knew and then I, me- I messaged Dan and was like hey like I'd really like to get one match in with Millie um before I go and he's like okay who yeah absolutely who do you want to wrestle and I thought I was like the only people that you know like really make sense to, is is Jetta and Erin, um, Erin wasn't wrestling at the time. She hadn't come back yet. So she had a baby and had a She's a mom in- now. Yeah. I know. So she hadn't wrestled in nearly two years and they were just so important to me and Millie, especially when we first started tagging. Um, and there, we, we just learned so much from them. Honestly, Jeddah is incredible. And so is Erin. Like they're just so easy to wrestle because they've been around for so long. And I think it's such a nice mix between, you know, me and Millie who kind of do like to push the boundaries of how wrestling is perceived, especially with, with women. Um, And we have a very like hard style of how we wrestle. And so it was really, it was always really interesting mixing um, like our two different styles together with them. And they were so up for anything all the time. Like, and they always say, oh, we've learned so much from you, which is crazy because we learned so much from them. Like, I think it was nice and full circle. Like Erin was my first match in Eve. So it was nice that she was also like my last, not saying I'm never going to go back, but like yeah. my last for now. And then Jeddah was obviously like, I love wrestling Jeddah. I love hanging out with Jeddah. She's great. She's fantastic. I mean, Eve champion right now, former tag team champion. Yeah, my literal first memory of you is you and Millie teaming against Wrestle Friends. 
at, at, at super she down when they played that in 2019. So that's literally my first memory of you. I was like, Oh my God, this is going to be awesome. And I mean, Aaron coming out for her first match after becoming a mom, Millie obviously is down doing her thing in NXT. You were all over in the Australia, the stars just aligned for this to happen. And I do hope, I do hope someday we could get the tape of it because I have no doubt that it was a banger. Um, It was just so funny. Like, and they're like, you know, they came up on those like camp style shows. So we got to do like a lot of that stuff, which mm-hmm. is just like, everyone enjoys it. No one's like, no one's ever really going to see it. So we just had fun. We just fucked around like me and Millie when we're together. I cannot like, it's just fucked, but it's like, just it's magic. Fun. Yeah, it is just fun. And, you know, it, if you enjoy what you're doing, it's just so much nicer. I mean, especially, I mean, you guys have done some crazy things in the ring and that doesn't surprise me, but you are now back home in Australia where you did serve as one of the coaches at House of Free Fighting, which is crazy to say it at like 25 only, but honestly, what, before we get into all of that, what is maybe the one thing that you instilled into students or hope that they take away from their experience at the House of Free Fighting when you were actively coaching? Um, I just like to like, you know, I think wrestling is meant to be fun and I don't think you should take it too seriously in the sense of, okay, (laughs) it sounds a bit like, I don't know, cliche or whatever, but like, I just like to say, you know, like if you're going to do everything, like do it at a hundred percent, like take everything as seriously as possible while not taking it seriously. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, wrestling is fucking stupid. It really is. Like when you think about it, it's just two people fucking rolling around pretending to fight. It's ridiculous. (laughs) But if you take, like, I wrestled a fucking blow-up doll, but I took it so seriously that people, you know, they they loved it. And if you present it as something that's, like, legitimate in, like, the fucking stupidest way, then I hope people take that from, from what I've, like, taught them and stuff like that. Like, I really like to tell people, you know, just to, to react to what's happening around you instead of, like, selling, do you know what I mean? I think that's really important. Like people are so used to being like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to take a super kick, but someone can't throw a super kick and it hits me in the arm, but I'm still going to sell my face. You know what I mean? Just react to what's happening. And I think that that came from Japan as well. If you watch how they wrestle, yeah. you know, they're, they're constantly reacting to things that have actually happened. And I think that's the beauty of wrestling. Like it's such like a live action performance and there's no other art form that can just change like that. You know, if the crowd hate me, okay, well, the crowd's going to hate me now. So I need to adapt my performance to, to suit that. Or if they love me and I'm meant to be the bad guy, too fucking bad. Now they fucking love me for some reason. Do you know what I mean? People are drawn. I'm not saying like me in general, but pe- if people yeah. are drawn to me while I'm wrestling, I'm going to, I'm going to go against, like go with that instead of trying to like, just go against it because it's naturally happening. And I think when you like naturally react to things that are happening, everything is much better. And, and wrestling is so unpredictable and entertaining oh. at the same time. I mean, you mentioned wrestling a blow up doll and I was going to bring this up later, but we're talking about crazy things you've done in a ring. I mean, I need more context or backstory of when you signed to custody papers for a plant. I, I really did. am curious to learn more. About you know, this is crazy because this is what I mean, like taking everything as seriously as you possibly yeah. can in the stupidest way possible. Like, I signed those custody papers and then like two seconds later, I got like 
invited to be in Coliseum, which is like the wrestlers wrestler tournament. Do you know what I mean? And it's just like, you know what, like you can be so diverse in so many different areas of wrestling. And that, that is my goal, like to just be like really good at so many different styles that I'm just like so well-rounded. And I think that really proved it there. Do you know what I mean? Like, so uh, Will Keenest ho- like hosted a live Goober report, which is fucking hilarious. I think he's yes. amazing. Um, and that whole storyline they have going in PWA now with him and Cherry, she, I think it's I'm, cool. she she got promoted. She's amazing. <laughs> She's gonna be a star. I swear to God, I know. she's so good. Um, and so he ho- hosted the live Goober report, turned into a match, obviously. And people were taking stuff out of the ring, and I was like, "Fuck it!" And I just took the plant and put it in my, my corner. And then I just thought it was really funny. And so I posted on Twitter and was like, fuck you, this is my plant now. And we kind of just turned it into, into something from there. And then I kind of had it and then we fought for custody of it. And I like, I fully painted its pot and everything. I bedazzled it. Did you name it? Robert. Okay. Robert the plant. Do you know what kind of plant it was? I'm not good at really identifying plants, to be honest. No, I have no idea. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, Lucci. <laughs> I'm sure he can identify. I fucking love pro wrestling. I mean, that's just like one of those things that you mentioned. I mean, you gotta have fun. And I mean, you're having fun yeah. too at the age of 25 now. And I mean, being a coach at House of Free Fighting, did you ever like envision yourself at literally like, st- like still, you're still learning yourself, but did you ever envision yeah. yourself having that ability to kind of coach, teach and educate this next generation of pro wrestlers? I would say it's still a very young age. Like we're literally the same age, Charlie. Like I can't even... I'm like still getting my life together. I can't imagine trying to coach like everybody else. No, I've, I think the end goal for me is, has always been to coach. So like one day I like, I dream of owning my own school. Um, and I don't know, like, I think it kind of just, you know, when I came back to Australia, when the pandemic first started, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I started doing like all female classes. Um, just, you know, to have that option there. Cause when I first started, I was so intimidated, you know, walking into this room of big men. It is really scary, especially when you're so young. Like I started when I was 17. Yeah. I remember sitting in like my parents' car being like, no, I'm not getting it. And then Jess walked in and I was like, no, I'm fine. Like, so I think I started off with that and I really enjoyed it. And then from there, um, I just started coaching like mixed classes. Um, and I just loved it. I think I, I think because I'm not naturally an athletic person. So I really understand like the dynamics of how bodies work because I've had to really work it out to be able to do like a lot of things in wrestling because I like, I'm not jumpy or flippy or anything like that. So I've worked out like, and I think female bodies are so different to how male bodies work. Um, so I think I've kind of got my head around that. And then I think that really helps people because, you know, some coaches are just like so athletically gifted that they don't quite understand that a lot of people can't do, you know, shit like that. And I feel like you've come so far. And so, I mean, you're still in the very, I would say early stages, although you've accomplished so much. I mean, traveling the world from Australia, the U S Japan, the UK, like literally everywhere. Like you, I feel like at some point you're going to have, well, besides Antarctica, like all the continents covered at some point. Let's not go there. It's cold. (laughs) 
Yeah, fair enough. I don't blame you there. But I mean, speaking of age 25, I mean, that's a really important number. And for you, that plays a big part into your upcoming project, which officially drops on June 9th. So you will be releasing your own 44-page hardcover photo book in collaboration with Muscle White Photography. So first, congratulations. That's so exciting. And I mean, I I see you too on Twitter dropping some hints and sneak peeks on your your social media. But there really is a powerful story behind it, I feel. And so, I mean, you've told me a little bit about it, but can you please tell the listeners about this initial inspiration and the backstory that you told me involving Minami Toyota? Yeah, so I was uh, in Tokyo in Japan and I had a few days off and I would go and visit um, one of the wrestling stores there and I would just like hang out. There's so much, like these stores are absolutely insane. And this one particular store has like, boxes of just loose photos and I was just sat on the floor like looking through them and like there was a young one of Satomura which was really cool to see and then this one of Manami Toyota popped up and she was like in this like leather bodysuit and it was just so like it was like perfect like I've never seen anything like it because you know we're used to especially like the time that I was coming up all these um like the diva era like portrayed like like very sexualized like over-sexualized and but this one was just so like sexy but in like a very uh like classy sort of way and it was different to what I had seen not that I don't fucking love the diva stuff like that's hot as fuck but like this stuff it was just beautiful and then over the next year I just tried to find where it was from like I was searching like Minami Toyota fucking like black and white lingerie like and I just couldn't find it anywhere and then um I looked it up again one day and I found that it was a photo book that she had released in 96, which is like before I was born. Um, And I tried to like hunt down, but everywhere was sold out. And I finally found one and it was like $200, but I was like, fuck it. Yeah. There are a lot on eBay. I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is my birthday present. Um, And then, so I bought it and I got it and I was just like in awe of it. It's like my prized possession. Like for real. Like I have it like displayed in my room. Do you have it framed? No, I don't have it framed because I want to look through it. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. That yeah, makes sense too. And yeah, so I just was like, oh, this is stunning. And I kind of looked more into it and I was like, she was 25 when she released it. And I had this idea, oh my God, what about when I'm 25? Like I not recreate it, but you know, like pay tribute to it in my way because I just thought that was so different to, you know, t-shirts and fucking eight by tens and stickers. So Yeah. It's such like, I've seen a couple, I mean, you you posted some of them, I'm assuming from the collection, but I mean, can you kind of further describe this photo? Like, was she doing a certain pose? And I feel like the aesthetic really fits to you, like a lot, like your personal like style and like, I don't know how to explain it, but what really about it, like really took your breath away or like what really about that photo of Minami really struck you, do you think? I think it was just like, so powerful because she seemed so confident in like the way she was presenting herself and I think that's through the whole book like you have to be obviously very like confident and comfortable with your with yourself to put yourself out there like that and I think you know that's definitely something that a lot of people struggle with myself included especially like coming up through wrestling like in a public sort of area with you know little to no clothing having to show your body off um, and constantly being judged for it 
you know, can be detrimental, especially like, you know, when I first started, I was like 17, 18, and I was wearing like a two-piece at the time and I thought I was huge. And looking back on photos now, I was a twig. Like my legs did not exist. Like I don't know where they were. Um, and, you know, like growing to become like a confident, comfortable woman, I think is like something that people have seen me go through and now just to present this as like a body of work from, you know, all of that in something that people can physically have and hold. And, you know, it's, it's hardcover. It's has a fucking like, um, like dust sleeve. Like it's, it's beautiful. And yeah, I just think it's very important to be able to present myself in that way on my own terms. Now, have you held your photo book? Have you held it and felt it? Oh, those hard covers, I feel like makes it even more special. Like you're official, official, Charlie. That's what I said. I was like, yeah, we have to do hardcover. Like, I don't care how much extra it costs to make it. Like, I want this to be like something that people pick up in like 20, 30 years and be like, fucking wow. Now, what was your first reaction? You told us a little bit about your research and journey to finding the iconic B-Bomb collection. What was your first initial reaction when you finally got it in the mail? Oh, I was stoked. I was so happy. And then I think uh, Eddie Kingston was living with me at the time when he was over in the UK. And then I showed him and he's a big, you know, uh, Japanese women's wrestling fan. Loves Borna loves Manami, and he was also in awe of it. So we had a nice read of that. Um, but yeah, it, it was just, it was just so different. Like I just, I had never like had wrestling merchandise that wasn't like wrestling merchandise, yeah. if you know what I mean. And I think that's really important because fuck me, wrestling merchandise is ugly as fuck. Like a lot of these t-shirts are people putting out, horrid, don't do it, stop. I don't. I mean, like I just love having things that you can be like proud to own and proud to show off and proud to wear that you know appeals to more than just a wrestling crowd and I think this book really will do it I'm so excited for you and of course Manami's collection is full of those stunning intimate photos like in powerful photos like you described to me and I mean accordingly for your 25th birthday as well you decided to recreate the book in your own way so can you kind of describe the overall aesthetic or contents of your upcoming photo book collection? Yeah so it's fully black and white which everyone knows I love black and white photos my Instagram is completely black and white um, the same as hers, like there's a few colored ones in there uh, from her book, but I thought, you know, what, black and white is definitely more my style. Very leathery, very gritty, um, fishnet, like lace. It's just, and there's so much variety. Like we shot this book for nine hours. It was a long process. Like this whole process of putting it together has been like a year you know, probably over from when I had the original, like, thought of doing it. And then contacting um, James and being like, look, you're the one to do it, if you'd like to. And I showed him, like, the vibe, the uh, inspiration behind it. And he's like, yes, absolutely. So, you know, I think it really helped because I was so comfortable with James. And I think if I wasn't comfortable, it would have been, uh, it wouldn't have come off the way I wanted it to. You know, you have to be comfortable with you know, showing little to nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
in front of people and I had worked with James previously and obviously his work is incredible. His wife, Fliss, was also there and she like helped style everything and put stuff together and she's incredible and I felt so comfortable around both of them and they really saw the vision of what I was trying to put out you know so I think that was really cool and then it's crazy too because I didn't even realize it but we actually shot it on the day that she retired really yeah so that's crazy like I got I literally got home from the shoot and looked on Twitter and it popped up that it was like the same day that she retired and I was like oh, meant to be but you love for that's when you know that this is a sign that this is what you should be doing. And I mean, going in nine hours of shooting, of course, this is limited to 44 pages. But how many shots do you think you garnered in total? And then having to the process of kind of narrowing it down, essentially. It was so hard. He sent them to me and it was a big file. Like it was so many. And, you know, we were looking through them and cutting them down was so hard. Like originally we were thinking maybe um, like a 24 page book. And I was like, no, I think we're going to need to do more because, you know, my first narrowing down was about 70 photos. And I really couldn't get lower than that. I think I maybe narrowed it down to like 65. So there's about okay. 65 photos in this book. Now does the 44 is that is that certain number like mean anything to you of why this is 44 pages it doesn't but that's cool no. it should okay I didn't know. so maybe and that means like a balance and alignment so yeah because like talking about like angel numbers and all of that i mean i just thought it was i it's it's a very specific number see love that shit <laughs> see, it, it's a multiple of 44 i'm sure yeah. i i feel yeah. like it it's worked around very well for you. And I mean, in collaborating, like you said, with Muscle White Photography, can you kind of give us some insight into more of this creative process in selecting your, I mean, you described some of it, like the leather and all of that in selecting your attire. I mean, the scenery, the poses, all of that in capturing these images. Yeah. So we really, we didn't want to just completely copy, obviously, what yeah. she had produced. Um, we really wanted to make it into my own. So, you know, I, I looked very closely at like the outfits she was wearing in a lot of them. And some pieces I got were like so close, if not possibly what she was wearing. Um, and they're stunning. I'll probably sell them later if anyone wants to buy them. Um, and yeah, they were just beautiful. But then also like twisting it into, into things that I do wear. So like there's some really cool, like grungy more rock sort of style stuff you know like big platform boots um lots of fishnet love fishnet so you know taking inspiration from her but then also like making it my my own because if you're not comfortable with what you're doing it's not going to come across no and kudos to you for not twisting an ankle in those platform heels because right. i'm sure that was probably very difficult yeah that was i got this one pair of boots and they were like over my knee high <sighs> and you could never wear them out anywhere, no. but they look incredible in these photos. Yeah, badass. I mean, yeah. just like yourself. I mean, hardcore, like your sweatshirt says. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but what would you say is maybe the most challenging part of putting all of this together? I mean, obviously the time narrowing down the photos, also going in with like the confidence of having to, you know, do all of that. But what would you say is the most challenging aspect for you personally? Um, I think just having the confidence to actually release it. You know, I think having the confidence to take the photos is one thing, 
um, because, you know, you're in such an intimate setting. There was only the three of us there and very select people that have seen it outside of that. But then having the confidence to like fully share myself with, you know, whoever's going to buy this book and then whoever sees the previews of it on the internet because I am giving so much of myself out, you know, I think that's a scary thing, but I think it's also a really exciting thing to be so open with people and so, you know, inviting into, into who I am. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest risks we can take in life is being vulnerable and being open. And you've definitely done that with these intimate photos. And I truly, truly applaud you because you have, whether you believe it or not, you have achieved something I have yet to do. And that's achieve or acquire self-confidence. I feel like we all have our own different journeys and all of that, whether you're faking it till you make it, I don't know, but obviously you have to have some level to really achieve this whole project, but maybe what would you attribute this confidence to how do you think that you've reached this confidence within yourself I just think you know like Connor has definitely helped me a lot I swear to god he's awesome yeah but also just you know coming to the realization that you like this is who you are this is the body you've been given and you know cherishing it for what it is because it's the only like vessel you have to live in and you know, treating yourself with like kindness and love. And then once you treat yourself like that, it will just, it'll come out. So I think, you know, obviously everyone's different and some days are fucking terrible and other days are really great. And it's not like, it's not a linear thing, you know, it goes up and down, but, you know, just realizing like this is who you are. And if you present yourself with confidence, you'll get, you'll get that back. And I think it really shows like, I used to just fake it till you make it. I swear to God, Mm -hmm. it works. Um, in wrestling and in life um so yeah I think that's definitely like the the approach I took and then just like being like loving and kind to myself and seeing how much you know giving reassuring affirmations and shit like that really helps and like you said I mean I feel like that kindness with yourself really coincides with self-care and like you said some of those are affirmations but what does self-care or like if you're having those off days what really gets you back on track Um, I think, you know, just being kind to yourself, to other people, going to the gym, that makes me happy, that makes me feel better, you know, wearing clothes that you're comfortable in and love, I think that's really cool, Um, yeah, just stuff that makes you happy. And everybody's, of course, everybody's definition of that is different too. But I mean, you're, you're rocking the beanie, rocking the hardcore sweatshirt. I love it. And I feel like too, when you initially told me about this project, you said, and I quote, I have a dream that someone like me will pick it up in 20 years and have the same reaction as I did with Manami's. So when you said someone like you, what did you mean? Can you elaborate? Um, anyone, you know, that male, female, in the middle, wherever you are, um, someone that just wants to like present themselves in a way that's so like authentically them and just have the confidence to do so. Doesn't have to be a wrestler. Like this book really has nothing to do with wrestling. I just happen to be a wrestler. Um, you know, so some, someone like that, that just sees it and goes, wow, she's just empowering and, and like powerful, but also so vulnerable. I think there's a lot of power in that. Um, so I think that that's really cool. And if someone, you know, does pick it up in 20 years, 
like if someone buys it and then their daughter down the line sees it and goes, oh, fuck, you know, to have to have that amount of power, but that amount of grace and and vulnerability is really cool. And I have no doubt that you're you're truly are inspiring like a lot of generations. I mean, one of your goals is to coach. And so, and I feel like you're already bestowing some of your knowledge, I mean, in life and in wrestling as well, but I have no doubt that you're already inspiring so many people that again, maybe when somebody's 25, maybe they'll recreate this in their own way. I'm super excited. Charlie, I'm telling you, you're honestly like a huge inspiration to a lot of people, whether you know it or not, you're a fucking rock star. (laughs) Thank you. That's sick. That's the dream. And I, I feel like most importantly, where can people purchase or view this photo book once it's released? I just like check out my Twitter. Um, it'll be av- like links will be available through there. It's going to be sold through uh, Muscle White Photography Store. Um, and then if you're on my OnlyFans, you'll get 20% off um, in the pre-sale period. And if you're not, there'll be a pre-sale period for everyone else, which will be 10% off. Um, but yeah, so just check my Twitter. Charlie Evans Pro and you'll find everything you need. Now, will you be maybe posting some of photos that didn't make the cut on your OnlyFans? Now's the time to plug. I don't know maybe. Yet. maybe. Probably. Um, but I do, you know, I want this to be an exclusive thing yeah. that people can physically hold. And I I I don't want to just give away things because I think this is just such like a proper like art yeah. piece. Yeah, there'll be like little like sneak peeks it's not giving everything away but yeah I I probably won't be just giving shit away it's just the book I want people to you know have something physical to hold I'm so exciting now is this shipping worldwide it is okay that's awesome because because here in the states sometimes I mean anywhere you go it's hard to get from to stuff Australia to the states the states to Australia to the UK it's a whole thing (laughs) yeah it's crazy right but yes it's shipping worldwide because I have friends and family and fans everywhere so I want everyone to to be able to experience it and I mean I feel like this experience too I would say probably pushed you out of your comfort zone like you said talking about those stilettos whether it be with your confidence and all of that but when did you feel the most out of your comfort zone maybe for this project because sometimes to achieve things I feel like we have to push ourselves to experience something new did you feel that at all during this experience yeah there's there's one set in there where I'm not wearing anything and that was daunting but um I think it was definitely a hurdle that I needed to to jump across so and that'll be exciting for everyone I'm sure (laughs) (laughs) you're not wrong Charlie you're not wrong (laughs) I feel like too that coincides too with this mentality that I've seen you talk about throughout the last few years and I mean a few years ago when you were getting ready to make that move over to the UK from Australia you said and I quote I'm excited to see how I grow as a both a wrestler and a person by moving across the world and getting out of my comfort zone and you have surely done that but in in your eyes how do you think you've grown as a wrestler and a person in the last five years oh fuck uh it's crazy you know like um I kind of went over I was really nervous to go to the UK because over here you know there's wrestling shows maybe more so now than there was back then but maybe you know in 2017 when I moved maybe two times a month you know maybe and you're not making money from that like it's it's different now there's a lot more money to be made and that's still not a livable 
thing, unfortunately, which sucks because I want all my friends to be full-time wrestlers. But, you know, so I was nervous going to the UK because I was like, oh, I don't know if wrestling can be a viable full-time thing for me. And I'm so grateful because it, it was. Um, so I think that was really scary going into it. So I had to just really like learn how to market myself and brand myself. And that went through, that was hard. You know, I, I went through lots of trial and error with that. And it wasn't until honestly like 2019 that I really like figured out, okay, the end of 2019 as well. Um, okay, this is what I bring to the table as a performer. And that came with, you know, learning as, like who I was as an actual person and then just meshing the two together because for so long I was like, oh, okay, I'm a wrestler and girl wrestlers wear pink clothes and like, I don't fucking wear pink clothes. Like I absolutely don't. Maybe sometimes. She has not. pink hair though. Just want to note. <laughs> I just like three weeks. Fair. And, um, and yeah, so, you know, just becoming more confident with who I was as a human and then portraying it as a wrestler, you know, crazy shit happened while I was there that I did not expect fucking <laughs> ever to happen. But, you know, as much as some of that was really painful, it, like it, it, and it shouldn't happen to anyone, but like it um, really molds you as a person and makes you a lot tougher and more selective with, you know, what you do in your life and, and who you want to be associated with. And especially too, I mean, moving like halfway across the world at like what, 21, I mean, like it's gotta be like 19, 20 is gotta be so daunting. I mean, of course, traveling for appearances is one thing, but to basically uproot your life and move to a totally different country where you probably, yeah. you probably knew some people of course, but still it's basically starting over. Yeah, it was crazy. I was, I had never been overseas until like two weeks before I did my first shimmer trip and then came back and then, and then left. So like I got my fucking passport, you know, the start of that year, I decided I was going to move and literally applied for my visa and then told my parents, like, I was like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm going to move to England. Mm -hmm. Um, and they were really supportive of it. Like my mom lived in Europe when she was young too. So they've always been very much like go and experience the world and, and it'll like, it will be good for you. So that was not an issue or anything like that. And yeah, I think, you know, doing it at such a young age with knowing very few people, it is very scary, but traveling is, I really suggest everyone travels at some point. And you definitely carry yourself with a great level of fearlessness traveling halfway across the world. I mean, you're the violence artist for a reason, pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. I mean, competing in death matches. And you seem to love the thrill of risk taking, as you've said before, which kind of coincides as something you used to do. I don't know if maybe you still do it, but can you tell me more about your time as a downhill skateboarder? Yeah, so I started skating when I was very young like my dad's a skateboarder um and literally he had a board ready for me when I was born and I still have it um so from a very young age you know I was pushed into that and I competed in downhill when I was like a early early teenager to like basically up to maybe like right before I debuted in wrestling so I was still still doing it while I was training but it was becoming harder to do it you know because they would do 
like competitions and races on the weekends and obviously wrestling shows happen on the weekends. So I kind of had to drop out of that and like give wrestling my full attention. But yeah, yeah I loved it. I loved it. I still skate occasionally. Um, I have like three boards in my car at all times, just in case. I've been teaching Connor. That's been cool. But how yeah. That, I, how, how would you rate his skills on the scale of one to 10 right now? Honestly, he's actually pretty good. Okay. He's actually pretty good. We're going to work our way up to like, you know, faster stuff, but it is, it's scary when you're young. It's not because you have no concept of like consequence, but you know, I'm a bit more hesitant to do it now, but it's still fun. I love it. I mean, yeah. I mean, I would say be safe, but I mean, this is professional wrestling and, and I mean, you take life with risk sometimes, sometimes you got to take those risks. And I mean, shifting gears a little bit. I mean, you have cited, we, we alluded to it earlier. You have cited Japanese wrestling as something that really captivated you throughout your lifetime from Mainami Toyota. And of course your favorite bull Nakano is certainly a huge part of that history. So for you really, how surreal was it to not only wrestle, but experience the culture of Japan? Oh, it was a dream come true. Honestly, since I first started, like that was like the goal. And I didn't know if I'd ever get there. Do you know what I mean? So I just think it was so, so cool, especially to wrestle for Sendai girls. I think that was, was really sweet because, you know, Satamora invited me. Like it wasn't like a, oh, she has hype. Like she saw me wrestle mm-hmm. and then she like, came to me and was like would you like to come to Japan and I think that's just like the highest honor do you know what I mean like that's fucking crazy because she's so cool and I had obviously like idolized her like when I saw the gay girls documentary and she like drop kicked the fuck out of that uh trainee like that was I was like oh my god when I met her I was so scared um but you know like becoming friends with her and then having her invite me to Japan and being there with Millie it was just amazing like I had been so many places like westernized countries yeah and then which I really find you know when I first got to England I was like oh this is pretty much the same as Australia like it's just colder and then same with America like they're all very similar like they have their differences obviously but stepping off the plane in Japan you honestly feel like you're in a whole different world like it's just amazing the people are so beautiful they're so lovely everything is just so like nice and organized and it's just completely different to where like anywhere else I'd ever been. Like I could honestly, I could drop my wallet in the middle of the street in Japan and come back two hours later and either it would still be there or someone would have hunted me down and get given it to me. Like, it's just such a different, different culture. Like everyone's just so nice and so respectful and the wrestling is so hard, (laughs) but you know, it forces you to like really like change and adapt and you know hit harder and take it versatile yeah yeah and you know I think that like really did influence me a lot and then like you know really experiencing it and training and wrestling that style I was like okay this is what I enjoy this is what I love to do and then taking you know a lot of that like Joshi style that I learned with Sendai and then while I was there, I became like a really big pro wrestling Noah fan and like kind of meshing those two styles. Cause they are, they are pretty different. Um, and just like meshing all that together. And I was like, okay, this is, this is what I love to do and kind of like working from there. 
And I mean, you've had such a journey traveling across the world. You have this full circle moment with Minami Toyota. And I mean, her title of her, of her photo book was B-Bomb. Do you yeah. have a title in mind for your official 44-page photo book? It's just going to be Charlie Evans. But I really had the idea to do, do C-Bomb. Because like cunt. Cause See, Australia or Charlie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It means Charlie, but like C-bomb. Yeah. I thought that was really funny, but I was like, maybe we're not going to make a joke of this. So I didn't do that. That'll be the unofficial name, I feel like, C-bomb. I was like, fuck, that's so funny. And, you know, people (laughs) will get it. But yeah, Charlie Evans will be will be the title. Okay. I mean, staying true to yourself and everything. I am so excited to see this when it officially releases on June 9th. And before I let you go, can you please tell the listeners where they can find you on social media and once again, where they can find your amazing upcoming 44-page photo book, Charlie yeah, Evans. So, so um, both my Twitter and Instagram are Charlie Evans Pro and all the photo book uh, related things will be all linked there. Um, it'll be available on the 9th, 9th of June um, via Muscle White Photography's uh, online store. Worldwide shipping, it's going to be absolutely incredible. Um, if you want a bigger discount on it, you can sign up to my OnlyFans, which is onlyfans.com forward slash Charlie Evans, and there'll be a 20% discount code for all subscribers. If not, uh, the first few days will be a 10% discount code just for people that are in early. So yeah. What very a badass limited, woman. Very limited numbers too. So get in while you can. You really are a badass woman, Charlie. I'm so excited to see this. And I mean, I truly believe 20, 25 years from now, somebody else is going to be picking up that book and be like, wow, I, f- I just feel it. You're truly amazing. an icon, Charlie. Thank, Thank you so you. much for joining me today. It's been an absolute Thank pleasure. You. Thank you.